Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I'm your host, Justin Russo, and joining me once again. For Tomer Thursdays, Tomer is Arley from Clutch Points. Tomer, what's going on, Big Papa? I believe the name I have here is Big Kahuna, so please get that right next time to address me. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Is that offending you now? Um, I'm I'm offended. You're canceled, Justin. You're done. You're out of here. Okay. This is not yeah. my podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This I'm doing. I'm now over. I'm doing all right. We 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 would stand. A, we would stood a nice little. What is that? Seven game homestand, Clippers uh, homestand right there. Um, no, no, so, no, six, six, six. six. I apologize. Games. I apologize. Six game homestand there before the Clippers go on the road. Now we had a, we, we had a three and four ourselves. So yeah, um, I, yeah, all good. I, I feel it. I feel it. That's that's what's going <laughs> on right now. I have felt it all day today, where I've just been completely exhausted and just wanted to sleep. So you know, what is a, a foreign. A four and six? Is that what it is? Four and six? Yeah. No, no, they're in the midst of a five and seven. Because they no, played no, no, the 13th no. for and us, the For us at home, it is a four and six. Oh, yeah, it's a four and six at home. Yeah. Yes, we have had four games in six days, including a back-to-back on the weekend. And I was helping my buddy move, so it's been exhausting. But let's talk Clipper basketball. Uh, for people wondering, I was not the buddy. I would not do that to him. I would not make him help me move while we have to endure a six-game. No, no. He didn't make me. I, I volunteered my time. It's my, my best friend. You're such, a nice, you're such a nice friend. I mean, I, I, I was very tired when I got to the Bulls game, but <laughs> it was worth it, though. So I, I know how tired. I know that you were tired because I didn't even see you until halftime. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, so that was that was wild. <laughs> but yeah, all good. Ready to talk Clippers after after all that. Got some rest, so. All right. With that said, the last time that we talked to you fine people was after the Clippers beat the Charlotte Hornets to improve to 5 and 4. They went over 500. We talked about how they were on a streak. Well, they extended that streak a couple more games. The Clippers had wins against the Portland Trailblazers, Miami Heat, and Minnesota Timberwolves. They then lost the second night of a back-to-back against the Chicago Bulls, but then they won on Tuesday against the San Antonio Spurs. So as we record this, the Clippers are 9-5, and five, and when you look at the standings in the Western Conference of the NBA, I don't know why I specified it like that, of the NBA. What other thing are we talking about? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> according to the standings, the Clippers are fifth. They're Which technically standings? in a three. The, oh, shut up. I almost I almost got baited into it again. Uh, the Clippers are fifth. They're tied with Utah and Denver. Utah's four, Denver's six, yada, yada, yada. So the Clippers are fifth. And when you consider 14 games into the season, no Kawhi. You've only had Marcus for the first two games. You've had Serge for two, two games in like 14 minutes, I believe, all season. Um, Terrence Mann missed the game um, against the Spurs. Uh, trying to think everyone there's, there's been too many people that have been out. They basically had a nine man rotation against the Spurs and they won that game. They're, they're, they're walking wounded at this point, which happened last year too, especially in the postseason. but they're nine and five. 
And through 14 games, if you're nine and five, even with a home heavy schedule, you have to look at that as a positive, right? Uh, I, absolutely. I mean, considering, uh, you know, the offense really couldn't find itself at times early in the season. Um, I don't know if nine and five, I really don't know what I expected from this team coming in. Like, um, prediction record wise. Like I, I have no clue. I was just like, all right, let's just see what they look like against, you know, a Warriors team that was going to be good. A Memphis team that's going to be better. So like they got off to a slow start, but, um, They've looked good. They've they've looked as bad as about as good as, as I think one could hope they would look. Right? I mean, they didn't get blown out against Memphis. The, they didn't get blown out against the Warriors and their losses. So uh, I think they had like one blowout loss all year, and that was to uh, Portland. I don't even think I'm that was a blowout. Correctly. I mean, the final score was one eleven ninety two. It was close. PG was keeping them close, and then Portland kind of ran away with it. But you know, other than that, it's been pretty close all all season. Um, no, no real blowout losses for them outside of that one, I would say. So they've, they've done a good job. Their defense has done a good job of hanging in there. Their offense has come alive. Offense has come alive at times. So uh, about as good as you can expect, really. I mean, yeah, considering the people that have been out, we've already detailed all this. Like the fact that they're nine and five, despite all this stuff is pretty remarkable. If you look at strength of schedule, according to ESPN, the Clippers have played the 10th toughest strength of schedule. They're at uh, 0.517, so they're basically playing teams that have an equivalent of a 517 win percentage uh, so far this season. So that's 10th best in the or 10th toughest in the NBA, I should say. The number one team in strength of schedule so far is Charlotte, and they're eight and seven, so that's a good sign for Charlotte. The team with the easiest strength of schedule so far has been Phoenix. Their strength of schedule is 439, which is really low. If I can be basically honest about that, but that's not their fault. You play the teams on your schedule. Like, what are you gonna do? You know. But either way, Clippers have a top 10 strength of schedule. They're fifth in net rating. They're nine and five. They look good. It doesn't, it doesn't look great all the time, but it looks good most of the time. And that's all you can kind of ask for as they try to uh, figure their way down the road, missing these guys. And who knows when Marcus is going to come back. It sounds like Serge is going to be back in a couple days uh, from his G leagues, his self-imposed G league stint. We might as well remind folks as Ty Lu, like to remind you in that pregame the other day. I mean, damn well, damn well, put me in my place. You know, I said, said you guys. You're, I, I said you guys, but I think I kind of mumbled the word guys. So it sounded like you sent Surge to the G League. But um, I, I, we brought up Surge. I don't even know where Surge kind of fits on this team right now. Um, I think it was it was a very impressive. Um, surprising decision to ask to go down to the G league. You don't see a lot of <laughs> 13 year veterans asked to do that. Um, I mean, you don't see a lot of veterans period do that. So um, I, I thought it was impressive that he, that he asked to go down and get some playing time. He said the speed of the game was a little too fast for him. Um, and, and he was playing what five minutes a game with, with the NBA Clippers. So with the G league Clippers, Clippers he's able to play a lot more, you know, find his conditioning, find his, his rhythm, get, get used to the speed a bit more, um, put yourself through that kind of rigorous um, you know, up and down game and, and, and get yourself as, as close to, you know, NBA ready as you can be. Um, you know, we talked to Paul Hewitt, the, the G League coach today, and he said that Serge is feeling a lot stronger and, and, and faster um, than he did before, but it, it's a matter of getting out on the court and, and getting adjusted to the game. So um, if Serge plans to play one more game, 
with the Agua Caliente Clippers. That should be Thursday night against uh, the Oklahoma City Blue. And then he plans to rejoin the NBA Clippers. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how, uh, how, how, how that goes for him, the final game, and how he transitions to the, to the, you know, the NBA Clips where, I mean, Isaiah and Zoo are, are playing pretty well. Um, I don't, so I'm saying I don't really know where, where he fits right away because Zoo has done, for the most part, anything you, you, you want, anything you need from him. He's had a couple double-doubles. Uh, I want to say five over the last seven games. Um, don't quote me on that. But, you know, and then, and then Isaiah is coming off the bench with, with, with Luke and Terrence and sometimes with, with, with Bledsoe as well with that second unit, just uh, making an immediate impact uh, defensively, finishing around the rim, finding guys. So um, I, I don't know where, where, where Serge kind of fits in. I don't, if you remember, uh, we asked Ty about playing Serge and, and Isaiah together as the four and the five, and he was like, I hope not. I hope I don't have to use that lineup. So. We'll kind of see where he fits in, but it looks like Serge is trending towards a return to the Clippers, and uh, Ty's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, you'd rather have more help than you need than not enough help. And right now, the Clippers seem like they don't have enough help, but might be getting some of them back soon. And in the form of Serge, I don't disagree with you. I'm very curious, I guess, to see like what his minutes workload what is required of him what is asked of him when he comes back because we have no idea the Serge Ibaka that we saw for 14 minutes this season at the NBA level did Mm -hmm. not look like he was ready for NBA basketball the Serge Ibaka who's been in the G League looks a little bit better as you would expect and he looks like he's finally getting his legs under him finally looking the part yada 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 so maybe there is some hope down the line that you know you could potentially have a three center, a legitimate three center rotation. You, because this could be a way to get Zubat some rest. This could be a way to get Hartenstein some rest on some nights, maybe play two of them together. You never know in this league. So, I mean, it's rather interesting from that standpoint. So, th- there's a lot for the team to figure out. And I do not envy Ty Lu in that regard, who Ty just looks exhausted on some days when he shows up to the arena. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, he's there's been times where he comes in with like, you know, the, the neck he had where he was like a little strained neck, and then something his back's bothering him. So, Ty's kind of like one of us where he's got aches and bruises everywhere <laughs> as we get older. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's what it is. I, I, Ty, Ty and I are very relatable. I've never felt closer to someone, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but, but Ty's done a great job. I think you know we, we've had a couple good. Hall of Fame caliber coaches come through the last couple, um, couple games in, in Eric Spolstra and, and Greg Popovich, who have you kind of talked about what what makes Ty special and his relatability and uh, the accountability that he has for players and, and, and you know just how he relates to them and find, it just finds a way to bring out the best in them. So uh, Ty's been fantastic, and I don't think you can ask for anything better um, at the at the head coaching position. Um, so. A guy who, a, a guy who um, uses social media so little, or maybe not at all, that he calls it Insta Twitter. So that that should tell yes. you how much he actually uses it. I still love the fact that he did that. That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Here's an interesting note that we kind of haven't talked about at all. So if you take Paul George's first seven games of the season, and you just look at it, the Clippers were three and four during that time, obviously. Paul George was averaging 29 points and he was shooting 51% from the field, 42% from three, but the team was three and four. 
Over the last seven games, the team's gone six and one. He's averaging 25 points per game, but he's only shooting 39% from the field and 26% from three. And they've won six of those seven games, which is a very good sign because early on when they were losing some of those games, especially the game against Memphis and Portland where he drops 41 and 42 and they lose both of those games. I remember sitting there thinking, if they're losing those games when he's performing that well, what's going to happen in the games where like inevitably superstars have bad games. Kevin Durant didn't have a great game against Golden State the other night. So what's going to happen when they have an off night? And turns out the other guys have started to help a little bit more and that's led to wins. And so Paul George not shooting well for a two-week stretch hasn't really impacted the Clippers as much as you'd think. Yeah, that was a good point, actually. I thought, you know, when they when they lost the game where he had 36 in the opener and then they lost the game where he had 41 and 42, you're kind of like, I mean, if you're losing these, um, I mean, you knew the, the other guy's shooting would kind of pick up eventually. Like, you know, Reggie wasn't going to stay at, like, what was it, 20% at the time? Uh, Terrence wasn't going to be as passive as he was the entire time. Um, who else? I mean, Bledsoe was not going to stay at 18% the entire season. So, you knew guys would eventually pick it up, but um, yeah, it just looked it looked a little worrisome at the time. And I think it was kind of one of those where like you needed to see it to believe it and to kind of believe that they're out of it, um, if that makes sense. So once they kind of picked it up, it was like, okay, so this is this is kind of who we think who we think they are, who we know they are. You know, even when PG's struggling, they they play well. Uh, you know, even PG plays well. I, I think he had a, a couple good shooting games a couple games ago. I, for the life of me, these games are just mixed up together. But, um, yeah, everyone's really just gotten involved. He had a very good shooting night against Minnesota in the home game, and he had another good shooting night against Miami. That's who it was. I believe against yeah. Miami as well. He was 11 of 25 against Miami um, and 10 of 17 against Minnesota. Um, 7 of 25 against Chicago, 10 of 24 against San Antonio. Um, so he, he's, he's right there. He's... I think he's he's trying to figure his way out of this out of this. I don't want to call it a shooting slump because he's been been hot to start the year for the most part. But um, kind of kind of just like Reggie, just kind of shoot your way out of it, stay confident, and um, you know get get through it. But the other guys have really stepped up, and I think that's what's impressed me the most is how they've stepped up, how they've gotten acclimated to the offensive system. And um, a lot of people, you know, complain about Eric Bledsoe, and he's kind of come on as late. Um, I think in his last, um, let's see, what was it? His last, pull it up here. In the so last, in his last five, five games, games he's yeah. averaging 15.6 points on 50% shooting and just under 40% from three. He's made two threes a game in all but one, one game. Uh, he's getting to the line. He's, he's, you know, he had a nine assist game the other night. He's, he's averaging about five boards a game. So like he's kind of doing everything for you. And then two steals. So he's kind of doing everything for, uh, for this team right now. So, um, yeah, impressive. I think it's impressive how everyone has come together, um, not only defensively, but offensively. So, the interesting thing with Bledsoe is during these five games, as you said, 15 5 and 5, or 15 5 and 4, technically. If Bledsoe gives you 12 5 and 5 a night, I think you are absolutely thrilled. Like, that is just 100% yeah, 100%, what you take to the yeah. bank. So, yeah, yeah Bledsoe's been fine. But this no, I just think we, we just so, we we just need to mention it because you know there was a bit of an outrage about him not 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 long ago. So yeah, but we got it off the chest, buddy. You and I got it off the chest. <laughs> in the last all right, all right look we'll what happened. Look, look, we put positive vibes out there, and he started to play well. See what happens. 
I mean, so he's, he's also seen a pretty drastic uptick in, in shot attempts. I mean, he's taking 7, 16, 12, 14, 11 after averaging, I think he had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six straight games with eight or fewer attempts. So he's putting them up. He's putting them up for sure. Good for him. I, I'm fine with that, to be honest, especially on drives. Like, I'm totally cool with that. Um, but the reason I brought up PG and his struggles is because the thing that's really kept the Clippers in these games and really been the driving force for them, you know, during this four and one stretch since the last time we recorded is their defense. Now, naturally you would think the Clippers because of last season would be their offense or one of the best offenses in the history of the NBA last season. This year is completely different. And you could expect that because there's no Kawhi amazing offensive player as he is. There's no Marcus very good offensive year last year. Serge has been hurt. Serge had a good offensive year last year. You know, you're funneling guys in and out, et cetera, et cetera. So there does, like, it does make sense that there's an offensive drop-off. But the thing that's been really shocking to us, and you and I have talked about this off-air, we've talked about this at games, their defense, I really do buy into it now. Like, there was a stretch where I was like, all right, it could be kind of wonkiness and, you know, just variance. But we're 14 games in now, and not only are they second in defensive rating this season in the NBA, but only behind Golden State, they're they're tied for first in half-court defensive rating with Phoenix. So if you're one of the upper echelon defensive teams, you're going to be in every single game. And to put that to the test, the top 11 of the top 11 teams in defensive rating this season, these are all teams who have a defensive rating of under 105, by the way. That's the top 11. They're all under 105. Each one of those teams is at least 500. And the only team that isn't above 500 are the Boston Celtics, who are at the 500 mark at 7 and 7. So if you're a very good to great defensive team, not only are you in every game, even if your offense isn't up to the level that you hoped it would be, you're going to be winning a lot of the games you probably shouldn't be winning. Yeah, I really had, I really had, their their defense is legit. And I, I really had questions about how legitimate they could be um, after their, their good start. Like their defense really kept them in games for the first, uh, what was it, week? Week where they were struggling to, to, to generate points, even though they were generating good looks. So I was just like, I mean, you, it, it, it felt like the, t- the type of game where like the Clippers had to get good um, a, a good, good, good play on both sides of the ball, especially when you're down so many guys, so so many guys, and they they've just been able to maintain this defensive, uh, this defensive intensity, energy, um, on a night to night basis, and uh, it's definitely been surprising, but it definitely is legit as well. Um, you, you talked about the half court defense. Um, teams are really just being put in, in, in a grind um, to try and score against this team. I mean, these guys are flying everywhere. I haven't looked at the um, look at the miscellaneous area, but like they, they, they feel I feel like they're among the league leaders in deflections because they just are they're so all over the place. Um, they really just their rotations are on point. I mean, Reggie Jackson has talked about how they, they kind of get on each other when they miss rotations. And honestly, I, I mean, I don't know how many rotations miss rotations I've seen. I mean, yes, you can't play perfect basketball. Um, but I do think for the most part, like they've played about as good as you can, you can hope for them to play defensively on that anyways. So, um, the, I guess the question is, how do you incorporate, um, 
Marcus when he returns, Serge when he returns, uh, into those because those are guys who aren't uh, in you know aren't in great game shape right now. I don't think maybe Serge probably is closer to get good game shape than Marcus. But like, how do you incorporate them in there? Because we saw Serge in those minutes that he played last week. Uh, they didn't look good. The offense didn't look great. The defense was was eh. So uh, it, it's kind of just like a work in progress. You know, how do you incorporate them without sacrificing um, your good play on both ends? That's kind of the challenge that Ty Lue is looking at. But um, I'd be curious to see some of the some of the bigger name teams and how they face them. You know, how do the Clippers handle more back to backs? I know that PG mentioned that they've had a lot of younger, faster teams play against them the last couple uh, weeks, which kind of makes their defense um, their defensive numbers all that more impressive in, in a way that they're able to hold down some of these faster. Um, you know, higher paced teams to, to lower point totals and lower shooting percentages and, and all that. So, yeah, I mean, and look, they're going to have a test tonight. By the time you guys are listening to this, it's Thursday. Uh, they played the Memphis Grizzlies tonight, and that's a team that did beat them this season. Clippers had problems containing Jaw. They had problems containing Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton. Pretty much their insta- Memphis's entire starting five managed to go ape shit, for the lack of a better word, because Memphis is starting five that night. I ended up looking this up the other day. Memphis is starting five that night contributed 107 of the 120 Memphis points. So, wow. well, the, the good news, the good news is that, um, DeAnthony Melton is not starting. The bad news is that Dylan Brooks is back. So Dylan Brooks kind of, kind of gives the Clippers fits at times. Cause he's a pretty good defender. I think he's working his way back from his hand injury, but that's another guy that can create some problems for him, you know? So, yeah, that's yeah. That you're not wrong about that. Ugh, God, Dylan Brooks kills them. Um, but look, for now the defense is looking great. You know their offense is twentieth in offensive rating. They're at one hundred six point one. It's not great, but it's passable for now. They've actually risen because for the for a while there to start the season, you remember this too. They were like twenty eighth or 29th in offensive rating. They were they were like absolutely abhorrent on the offensive end. And now, you know, Ty was talking about it a couple weeks ago where he's like, look, we're getting the shots we want. We're just not making them. Once we start making them, everything will look a little bit better. And yeah, the offense has looked a little bit better because they are indeed making more of their shots. And, you know, it's basketball simple. The more shots you make, the better you're going to look. So, you know, I mean, in the stretch, though, that they went four and one, they beat Portland, Miami, Minnesota, San Antonio. Their only loss was to the Bulls. I do kind of want to talk about that for a second because, it's a very interesting game. They lose 100 to 90. The Clippers were on the second night of a back-to-back and it was less than 24 hours after their previous game because their game on Saturday, which was against Miami, was a game well, that was against Miami, right? Or no, 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 that was against Minnesota. It was against Minnesota. Minnesota. Their game on Saturday against Minnesota started at 7:30 p.m. local time. The game on Sunday against the Bulls started at 6.30 p.m. local time, which just seems crazy to me to start a back-to-back an hour ahead of where you last played. I don't know why that happened, but it happened. And you could see the Clippers look really bad on the offensive end all night. They ended up shooting only 36% from the field. But they were in that game all game long. In fact, early in the fourth quarter, Paul George hits a little running shot with about 10 minutes to go and the Clippers take a one-point lead. Now, they would never lead after that. They did get as close as four points with about six minutes to go and 
all that stuff. And they were within six with three minutes to go, but they, they just couldn't get over the line. And a lot of it was fatigue. But the reason I bring this up, and this is partly due to the defense, is even on a night when you're playing a team that is as good as the Bulls are, and you're without a lot of guys, and the Bulls were without Nikola Vucevic, who's a very excellent center, but the Clippers were without their guys. Bulls are without Vucevic. Clippers are shooting like crap all game long. They look exhausted. They're late on rotations. They look a half step slow on every decision. Second night of a back-to-back, yada, 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 yada. And they're in that game, and they have a chance to win it with about five minutes to go. That, to me, spoke volumes about the kind of team that they are. Because when they got down by like 15 or 16, and we've talked about this, you know, with Ty several times about how they always get behind early. Like, you know, like how do you deal with that kind of thing? On a night like this, they had every reason in the world to just pack it up, get some early rest because they would have the next day off and they didn't and they fought. And I think that's a very admirable thing and tells us a lot about them. Yeah, I mean, DeRozan was torching him <clears throat> all night. De- uh, Zach Levine had a couple of his of his nights, a, a couple of his um, possessions where he got hot. And so, like, uh, the Clippers, I think, shot, like, 39% for that game or something, or 36%. It was pretty bad. They were pretty bad offensively all game. Like, not bad as in, uh, like, their process was good for the most part. I think, you know, Tyler mentioned they had a couple shots they probably rushed or could have gotten a better look out of. You know, I think they had, you know, transition threes that they could have driven in for layups that just would have been easier for them. But um, outside of that, like they, they, their process was good. They, they, they defended well. Um, I think your did, I think Ty mentioned that he wanted to, to make things harder or less comfortable for DeRozan. But outside of that, um felt like a good night defensively for them. And you held, you held one of the best teams in the NBA to a hundred points on your home floor. Like you, you, most of the time you win that game uh, most times. So I think you're satisfied with it. Ty Lue had never said the word whatever in a post-game press conference, and he said it like three times <laughs> after that one, which kind of lets you know, like, he was just very whatever about it. Like, all right, so what? We played, we played, we shot like crap. We still had a chance to win. Like, whatever, let's just start a new streak. He said that. So um, you kind of saw it yesterday or the other day when they, when they played the Spurs. They kind of got back to, to what they were doing offensively. Defense still got it done. And um, – yeah, now now they hit the road for, for two more before coming back home. So, um, I, I at this point I don't think it's a question of sustainability um, defensively. Uh, it's it's probably more so a question of you know can you stay healthy um, and can you incorporate the guys that come back from injury um, without sacrificing on either end. You know what I mean? So um, that that's pretty much what I'm looking at. What's interesting for them in this upcoming stretch, so we're going to look at this upcoming stretch real quick, and then we'll then we'll get out of here because we both need sleep or something because we're exhausted. Um, or I'm just speaking for myself at this point, to be honest. No, no, um, no. You're, you're not just speaking for yourself. Yeah, go ahead. They play Memphis tonight. They play New Orleans tomorrow night. It's a back-to-back. Then they come home for another six-game homestand. They played Dallas twice, and Luka Doncic is currently injured, but he might be able to play against the against the Clippers uh, at Staples for both games. According to Tim McMahon uh, from a source, this is from yesterday, the injuries are deemed to be, quote, not too serious, and that the Mavericks are optimistic that, he, that Doncic, he being Doncic, 
will not be sidelined for an extended stretch. Um, I do not know what the, what extended stretch means. Cause like, I don't know if that means a week. I don't know if that means two weeks. I, I, I don't, I don't know what the terminology is there, but um, there's a chance that Luca is going to be playing in both of these games uh, this coming Sunday. And then a, next Tuesday against the Clippers. But so basically they go Memphis, New Orleans on the road, Dallas, Dallas, Detroit, Golden State, New Orleans, Sacramento, all at home. Another six-game homestand that you and I are going to be exhausted from. Can't wait. And it's, it'll be seven if you count that Lakers road game. So that's that's real great. Um, but let's look at these eight games. What would you think that they should go during the stretch? Like, what would you say is the worst-case scenario? And what would you say is the best-case scenario, record-wise? So one, two, three, four, five, six home games again with two road games upcoming. I can see six and three. Uh, I don't think Luca is one hundred percent. So even if he plays that do, game, do he's you mean not six and two or, or five? And six three. and two. Excuse me, six and two. Okay. Um, I can see six and two. Oh, I, I, sorry. I was counting the Laker game, like you mentioned, that was a home game too. Um, yeah, my bad. <laughs> with that, I think it's I think it's six and three, but I'm gonna say six and two without that Laker game. Um, Golden State's probably the toughest one there. Uh, that one, and I mean, oddly enough, probably probably Memphis. I mean, not oddly enough, Memphis is playing well, but New Orleans always, for whatever reason, gives the Clippers problems. Like no matter who is out, they just give the Clippers. I don't remember the last time they. I don't won know in what New it Orleans. is. I don't know what it is either, man. They always give them problems. It makes no sense. Like there was that game last year, where they just got eviscerated in New Orleans, and it was just like how. Um, so I kind of just not sure what to make of the, Mem- the, the the New Orleans game, but they should handle them. Um, yeah, I think the only ones that are troublesome are probably going to be Golden State and uh, Memphis. Those two games are going to be um, going to be tough. You don't gonna think the Dal- you don't think the Dallas games will be tough? Um, I am not. A, I'm not very high on Dallas. Um, I I just don't think their their style of play is, is a sustainable type of like like just letting Luca cook just. We saw it. Like it's just maybe in the regular season it can get you a game or two, um, but I just don't think it's sustainable. I mean, maybe maybe in the regular season, yeah, it's a twelve thirty game too, which the Clippers absolutely love. So maybe they can get one of those. But <laughs> I just I'm just not as high on the Mavs as others. So maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But I just I just don't see um, that Dallas being a serious threat kind of thing. Am I wrong? What do you think about them? No, I don't. I don't think you're too wrong. I I think Dallas can give them problems just because of Porzingis. Like, there Porzingis is on a run right now where he looks like he's figured it out again, and I think that's the biggest deal for Dallas. Now, is that going to lead to wins over the Clippers? I don't know, but confidence is a very funny thing, and he has it right now. And I think that's not something to overlook. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. It looks like based off his of his shot selections, he's taking a few more more inside the arc shots. The, the the ratio of of threes to inside the arc shots are way better than it was last year in the postseason what we saw so um, better for him but I I, I kind of just need to see it against the Clippers because I feel, I feel like the Clippers really figured them out like even in the games they lost last year in the playoffs I mean if the Clippers just shoot like not even their not even their average if they just shoot below average like a little bit below average they they probably win that series in in five or six right so. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how, how Porzingis looks then, even with, with or without Luca, I'm curious to see how they look, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about the Mavs. I'm mainly looking at the, the Warriors and Grizzlies. 
at the moment. So two things. Number one, I think worst case scenario is four and four. Like, I think that's the worst case scenario is four and four. I think best case, I would agree with you. Six and two, I think is best case. I think, um, I think they could win six games. Five and three might honestly be the sweet spot to be honest, but we'll see. I mean, the second thing, by the way, there's a sneaky trap game in here in this stretch. And it's that Friday 12:30 tip against the Detroit Pistons cuz that's the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Black Friday. Yeah. And you're at home and those as weird as it sounds, that's a tougher game at home than it is on the road. Cuz like yeah, you have you're family not, yeah. in town. Yeah. Like you have family <laughs> in town, you just had a nice Thanksgiving, you know, get a nice extended evening with family and friends. Oh, and then we got to get to the arena at nine or 10 in the morning. Cause our game's in a couple hours. Great. You know, like th- those are, those are the games that can be problems. So it'll be very interesting to see. I am. I'm very excited to watch Cade Cunningham, by the way. I'm very pumped to see that. Uh, we'll see how he looks. I, I think he's, he finally had a good, good shooting game the other night. So excited to see him pick it up and, and, and play the Clippers uh, during that stretch. But Sacramento, Sacramento is one of those teams that can also kind of, sneakily give you a problem. Um, I don't anticipate them doing it, but yeah, I I could see them just being, maybe not winning the game, but being pesky. Um, Sort of like how New Orleans is. So yeah, I I still think it'll be six and two, uh, six and three, if you include the Laker game. So we'll see how it goes though. Man, this is a very interesting stretch coming up because I can't believe we're almost at the end of November already. This is wild. Christmas songs are playing on the radio. You got, you got all the emails lined up with, uh, I'm getting so many emails about sales, Black Friday sales and holiday sales. And I'm like, oh, so we're here. I'm just Scrooge around the holidays. I just I just can't stand it. Fantasy football playoffs are around the corner. Oh Let's go. God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's my cue to get the <laughs> hell out of here. <laughs> Anytime Tomara starts talking about fantasy football, that's the end of my night. And he knows that that's okay. I fully At least I waited. I, I support you and your degeneracy, okay? So Okay, well, when I that, win... That might not even be a word, but I made it for you. Degeneracy. <laughs> I don't even think that's a word. I don't want to Google it, because so. in my mind now, that's a real word. Um, <laughs> you done anything fun lately besides go to go to basketball games and, and help a friend move? Is there anything that you've been doing? Uh, those have taken up literally all of my time, so probably not. I might go up to see my friend uh, in Seattle, but other than that, it's... Uh, it's been it's been light. It's been it's been pretty pretty simple. Go ahead, go have fun with a friend. Get away. I urge everyone, if you can, to get away for like two or three days because the mental reset on that is very real. It's very helpful. Um, we will be back early next week, probably Tuesday, because they play Sunday. They're off Monday. We'll record Monday most likely, and then episode Tuesday in between the two Dallas games. Um, Actually, you know what? We oh no, I was gonna say we could record Sunday night. Then I just remembered you and I were going to the football game Sunday night. Oh, we could record drunk there. <laughs> <laughs> just record, record at the football game. Just sit there and just start recording, talking about the Clippers at an NFL game. <laughs> Have you seen that that tweet where it's like something some, something serious is being said, and it's like and there's a deep fly ball out to left field or whatever. Oh yeah, that's the that's the Tom Brenneman Nick Castellanos thing. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know the whole story behind that, but um, <laughs> like, yeah. So the Clippers' defense is playing well as Ben Roethlisberger completes a five-yard pass 
and you know, <laughs> or what's Ben like a negative five yard pass? What is that? Yeah, I don't even know if he'll be playing to be honest. Oh, is he still dealing with COVID? I don't know. I don't care. Well, I'm going against Najee Harris this week, so I hope everyone plays well except for Najee Harris. Respectfully. Well, he needs a he needs a quarterback to get him the ball, and buddy, there ain't a quarterback on the roster that can do that. <laughs> so you're gonna be we'll fine. See how game goes. You're gonna, although I might have just kissed of death to you. You know, you know what yeah, I mean? Seriously, like, <laughs> I just don't put it on the universe. Uh, all right, people, we'll be back early next week. Everyone, take it easy, stay safe, social distance, wear your mask, get your booster shot, get your vaccines, yada yada yada. Tomer, you got anything for the good people before we get the hell out of here? No. Okay. Man of many I, I words. I don't. I don't want to just fill up airtime. I don't have anything to say to you guys at the moment. If I do, I will let you know. God, you're such a mensch. I love you. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Stay safe. Keep it easy.